Romans. I want to press on in the book of Romans, chapter 3, uh, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Now, Paul is saying that um, because he just had to make a pretty stinging indictment against people who tried to accuse him, as he was accused constantly, of teaching people to forsake the law and that they didn't need to keep the law and that you can forsake Moses and, and you can be an antinomian and not care about obedience or, and, and all sorts of things like that. Paul was lied about a lot. Um, we know this from Acts 21, verse 20 which says, um, they said to Paul here, you see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor walk according to the customs. And they go on from there. And so that's the common um, the response to the gospel of God's free grace that we're justified by faith alone, faith not being understood as obedience to law or anything like that. Faith is simply personal trust in the finished work of Christ. That's what uh, faith is. That's what To believe in Jesus means to trust in his finished work. It means that you do not believe in your works uh, or trust in anything that you're doing to get you into heaven. And of course, that always elicits the same response. Every Everywhere that that's preached to this day, uh, people respond to that by saying, you're saying that we can sin all we want and still go to heaven. You're saying that we can um, sin so that grace may abound. Uh, as Acts 21, verse 21 says, they have been informed about you. They were, they were um, told lies about you, Paul, that you teach the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. And of course, that's not um, what Paul ever did. It's not what I do. Um, when you preach the gospel of free grace, uh, you preach and teach it the way that the scripture does. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. But we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, but we are not saved by doing so. It's not by works, lest anyone should boast. So Paul just said uh, about people who were saying in verse 8, Romans 3, 8, let us do evil that good may come as we are slanderously reported. And as some affirm that we say, their condemnation is just. That's a pretty rough thing saying, yeah, those guys are in their sins and under God's just condemnation. And it is just that they are. Now, he wants to make sure that he precludes anyone from thinking, well, what do you think that you're just better than everyone, Paul? And he says in verse 9, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Paul, of course, being a Jew, uh, recognized that he himself was under sin, that he was himself at one time deceived and um, in his sins and under God's just condemnation for those sins. And then he goes on here to give a whole litany of passages from the prophets and from the Psalms, um, indicting the entire human race. So just to back up a little bit, number Romans uh, chapter 1, uh, the first opening th three or four verses there, you get the very high Christology. Uh, Jesus Christ was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, uh, but declared to be the Son of God with power through the resurrection from the dead by the Spirit of holiness. The, the thesis statement of the book, uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all uh, who believe. 
as it is written, the just shall live by faith. They're quoting from Habakkuk 2.4. And then Paul immediately moves in Romans 1.18 through the end of that chapter into his indictment against the human race. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven, not the gospel, not, not grace, but God's wrath is revealed through the created order, through man's conscience. And because of this, men engage in every kind of wickedness, and they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And uh, they know this God, but they suppress the truth about him because they love their sin and their unrighteousness and their wickedness. That's the Gentile nations. And then in chapter 2, he turns primarily to the Jews. And we know this from cha or chapter 2, verse 17. Indeed, you are called a Jew and, and know the law and, and know God's will and make your boast on the law and so forth. And then he points out, um, you who teach people that you, you shouldn't steal, do you steal? You who preach against adultery, do you commit adultery? And he's pointing out to them that the Jewish people were guilty of the very same sins that, the Gent that all the Gentiles were. And that's kind of what the opening salvo of the whole book of Romans is really getting across once you get past the prologue there in the first 17 verses of chapter 1. It's the whole human race is under sin. The whole human race is in sin and justly condemned for it. Now, I can't tell you how many times in talking to non-Christians and talking to people uh, about the gospel through the years, well, are you saying that people go to hell because they've never heard the name of Jesus? No. People go to hell because they're sinners. People go to hell because they violate the law of God, because they do not keep God's commandments, because they do not obey God's commandments to the satisfaction of the holiness of God. And that's why we need Christ and his righteousness to be imputed to us, uh, to save us. In Romans 4, 6, just as David speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. So Paul then goes on here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in verses 10 through 18. Uh, he cites from a whole bunch of different verses from the Psalms, uh, from Ecclesiastes, from uh, Proverbs, from the Psalms. And uh, I, I thought there was a citation from Isaiah somewhere. Yeah, Isaiah 59, verse 7 and verse 15. So listen to what he does here. Paul is making sure that everybody understands. He's not singling out the Gentiles. He's not singling out the Jews. We are all under sin, it says in verse 9. Nobody's any better than anyone else. The fall of man is uh, a democratic thing. It's the uh, one Reformed theologian called it the democratization of sin, the democratization of the fall. It levels the playing field. Okay, all the sins and all the vices that have been listed in Romans 1 and 2 those don't leave anybody standing. There is no one who keeps those commandments to the satisfaction of God's holiness. He says in verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now, what he's talking about here is a very specific form or type of righteousness. He's not talking about general moral uprightness or anything like that, as you would describe. Uh, for example, uh, Noah was was upright and righteous and godly and blameless and um uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents, are described as blameless and, and righteous and godly and walking in all the commandments of God. This is talking about righteous in the sense of satisfying the righteous holiness of God himself. No one is righteous in that sense. There are morally upright people out there who know the Lord and seek to walk in his ways, and they do make the beginning steps of no obedience. That's not what this is talking about. When it says there is none righteous, no, not one, it means righteous in the sense of satisfying the requirements of God's law to the satisfaction of God's holiness, which those laws are a reflection of. Verse 11, there is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Well, 
Uh, so much for the whole idea of a seeker service or a seeker-sensitive service, as if there are people out there who are seeking God. There are none who are. And only insofar as God has changed someone's heart and is drawing them to himself is anyone ever seeking God. This is a universal negation. There is none who seeks after God. There is none who understands. Verse 12, they have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Now, that's not saying that no one has ever done a deed that could be described generally as good. It's not saying that. This is good in a very specific context, good in the sense of actually obeying perfectly in thought, word, and deed, per perfectly, personally, and perpetually, the holiness that is reflected in the law of God. There's no one who does that. No one is good except God alone, as Jesus himself said. No one is good but God. Verse 13, their throat is an open tomb. What an image. Their throat, the things that come out of their mouths are as vile and stinky and smelly and uh, full of w wickedness and iniquity as an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. There are 15 separate indictments here in uh, Romans 3, 10 through 18. It's fascinating. Four out of 15, almost a third, have to do with speech. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. These are quick-tempered, quick, quick to, to condemn and destroy and kill and I want vengeance on all my enemies, you know, quick, quick to shed blood. Verse 16, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, I had lunch long ago with a guy I worked with. He was a nice guy. We used to hang out together a little bit. This was a long time ago when I was still a computer programmer. And uh, he actually unwittingly cited uh, Romans 3.18. I was trying to share the gospel with him and walked him through it. And he said to me, uh, I don't believe any of the stuff that you're telling me. And God knows my heart. And I know that my heart's in the right place. And I have absolutely no fear of death. I have no fear of facing God. And I said, do you realize you just cited Romans 3.18? There is no fear of God before their eyes. And I told this, this fella, I said, you know, you could have been inside the tomb with cameras rolling with Jesus while he was dead, with 15 other scientists watching, and you could have watched him rise from the dead and watched the angel move away the stone and watch him come back to life and walk out of that tomb on his own resurrected feet, and you still wouldn't repent and believe. You still wouldn't repent and believe. Because unbelief has nothing to do with facts. Unbelief has nothing to do with evidence. Unbelief is a moral problem. Why do people have no fear of God? Because they love sin. Why do destruction and misery mark the ways of the ungodly? Why are their feet swift to shed blood? Why, why does selfishness govern them? Why is their mouth an open tomb? And why are they, are they liars and they practice deceit? And they strike out with their words like vipers and cut and backbites and everything else, and their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Why, why is all that the case? Because people serve themselves and they serve sin, not God. Verse 19, he's kind of summarizing here in these next two verses, 19 and 20. 
Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Everybody is under God's law. And on the day of judgment, as people start to try to open their mouths, God's hand will shut them. God will shut their mouths. Every mouth will be stopped. No defense will be offered. And God's evidence of people's guilt will be brought forward and shown to them, and they will have nothing to say. All the world will be guilty before God. Because nobody keeps God's commandments to the satisfaction of God's holiness. And that's why his summary in verse 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. God's law was never given to man to be the means of his justification. In fact, Paul goes on in Romans 4, 14, For if those who are of the law, those who, are, who think that by their keeping of the law, they're going to be heirs of eternal life. If they are heirs of eternal life, faith is made void and the promise of no effect. It's justification is by faith in Christ alone so that it can be by grace. It's not by our works or our obedience or anything like that. If it were, it wouldn't be grace then. It wouldn't be, any, it wouldn't be grace at all. By the deeds of the law, by trying to keep the Ten Commandments or any part of the law for that matter, no flesh will be declared righteous in his sight. No one's going to go to heaven by anything that they've done. On the legal grounds of anything that they've done, the law shows man his sin. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Have you ever stolen anything? Ever? You're a thief. You're condemned by that law. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? You're a blasphemer. Have you ever lusted after someone or actually committed adultery or fornication or premarital sex or, or anything like that? You are condemned by the Sixth Commandment and by a bunch of other ones too. No flesh is going to get into heaven by keeping God's commandments. The law shows us our sin. And that's the law's primary purpose uh, for the non-believer is to show them their sin so that they will seek justification not in their works or their new intentions or their own obedience, but somewhere else. And just want to give you a little, to tantalize a little bit, just verse 21, here's where the whole tone of the book changes. Since the law can't save us and we can't keep it and no one's going to heaven, no one's going to be justified by the law of God, by their works, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God, that remember Romans 1.17, in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. It's apart from law. It's apart from law. There's people out there in reform circles teaching that love for God is part of what saving faith is. It's not. Our love for God is not part of what saving faith is. It accompanies saving faith in Christ, but that's not what saving faith is. Because we're justified by faith. If you say that faith is love for God, then we're justified by the law. Because love is the summation of the law, isn't it? And I was listening to John Piper say that and listen to J.B. Fesco and Roger, or, uh, um, Guy Waters' um, uh, response to Piper. And immediately, as soon as I heard uh, Piper saying that, that love is, is in the essence of what saving faith doesn't It's not a fruit. It's what it is. I thought then verse 21 of Romans 3 is wrong. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ does not include love for God. 
Because love for God is the law. It doesn't include our works. Faith in Christ is the abandonment of works. It's, it's the abandonment of relying upon our love for God or anything like that. Is, is it accompanied by a changed heart that loves God? Yeah. But is that what saving faith is? No. Faith looks entirely away from works, away from ourselves, away from anything wrought in us or done by us, and rests upon the finished, completed work of Christ alone. The righteousness by which we will enter heaven at death is apart from the law. It is apart from law, apart from our obedience to the law. Okay, and then we'll, we'll pick up there and... Uh, at verse 3, or excuse me, at verse um, 21 of chapter 3 uh, next time. But thank you for watching or listening.